Oh yeah, it's a whole lot different now. You know, he can go there, he can show off the two natty that he have, uh, the, all the ACC championship games, the new Allen Reeves facility. You know, none of this stuff was here when I was coming out. <laughs> but now he has that, you know, the, the whole landscape across college football to change. I'm Jeff Fischel. Welcome to Legends and Legacies, brought to you by Duke's Mayonnaise. Duke's, it's got twang. Back in 2004, Dabo Sweeney took a trip to Lake Butler, Florida. That would forever change the course for the Clemson Tigers. We were used to seeing five-star talent all over the field in Death Valley, but C.J. Spiller was the first to take a chance and enroll at little old Clemson. You know, here I am, just a young kid out of Lake Butler, Florida, that just wanted to come here and just really just try to live out his dream and, and just have the best college experience that he possibly can have, not even thinking that, you know, my decision to come here would have an effect on kids later down the road or later down the pipeline to come to Clemson. When CJ arrived at Clemson's program, he made an immediate impact on the field. Put it this way, there are just some players from the first time you see them, you know they're good. And CJ was great. Clemson's play-by-play announcer, Don Munson, recounts CJ's freshman year. When CJ first shows up on campus 2006, being a five-star recruit, the first really kind of guy that Clemson had had like that in a long, long time to, uh, to show up and then make immediate impact on the, on the football program. And once again, there's Orange in the end zone. 80 yards for the freshman CJ Spiller on his very first carry. I would probably say either that Boston College or that Georgia Tech game kind of took me to another another level. And I think that game right there proved to a lot of people in my hometown, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. And I think it proved to myself that you can play at this level. You know, I went through my growing pains as a freshman, uh, just like everybody else do. But to me, it proved to me that, yeah, I, I can play at this level. It's easy to look back at someone's career and only see the highlights, the Sports Center top 10, if you will. But CJ's time at Clemson was not always that. After rushing for nearly 1,000 yards in his freshman campaign, CJ found himself watching a lot of the action during the 2006 Music City Bowl against Kentucky. Went into that bowl game and, you know, not to take, you know, discredit Kentucky, but, you know, from a stat standpoint, they was the the worst rush defense in the country. And I just felt like um, for me and James Davis, I ain't gonna say we carried the team, but we're a big part of the team, especially from an offensive standpoint, for us to only get five, you know, five or six carries through that whole game. To me, I just felt like that was a slap in the face to us. I didn't feel like that was right. Um, and then here you have the University of Florida, that was the year that they, they won the national championship uh, with Chris Lee. So here I am now, I got all these thoughts. And then not only my thoughts, I got other people saying, see, you should have went to Florida. You should have went. You'll be playing for a championship. Uh, so it was just a lot of those emotions that was going up uh, throughout my head, you know, frustrated from that game. So you can only imagine that ride from Tennessee back to Florida. I'm livid. Uh, I literally left right after the game, drove right home right after the game. Uh, that's how mad I was just because I didn't like how that, that turned out. But then I, I just remember talking to one of my uncles and, you know, he kind of put it in that, in a biblical term of, of, a, of a marriage. You know, when you make a vow, I guess when you make a vow, I, I meant to say, 
is that, you know, that vow is meant forever. And when I made that vow to Clemson, it wasn't on a one-year term lease. That was a lifetime vow that I made. And, you know, and that's why I always tell people now is that you can't make a decision. You can't make an emotional decision because sometimes those are not the best decisions. And I think that's what I was getting ready to do, uh, make an emotional decision. So after I kind of had some talk with him and, you know, had a talk with Coach when he had to come. He was on a recruiting trip. He had to fly back to Clemson. And we kind of rolled around town and just kind of talked talk through some things that was going on. And, you know, I always tell people, I never I forget him telling me is that, why would you go to Florida and be in someone else's backyard when you can stay right here in Clemson and have your own backyard? And, you know, that little cliche, you know, everybody know these type of sayings that he come up with. That that really stuck with him. Like, it, I gave it some thought. Like, you know, you you probably right. Cause, you know, his biggest thing is that he never he did he never he always looked out for my best interest. You know, that's the thing I can always say about coach. He always looked out for my best interest, and he didn't want me to go somewhere and just be another guy. And that's kind of how he felt. Like if I would have went somewhere, I just would have been just another guy there. Compared to if I just stay here at Clemson, I can make my name for my own self. And you know, I guess you can say the rest is history. So I, so after I came off that high cloud and came back down to earth, I, I decided to stay. And it's a good thing CJ stayed because his sophomore year, thunder and lightning was born. 25, 20, there he goes, and there's orange in the end zone, and CJ Spiller takes a magic carpet ride. You know, it was fun. You know, I was able to learn a lot from him. Uh, you know, he was a a highly uh, competitive guy. You know, he didn't like to lose. And then the thing I love about James, honestly, like he spoke his mind. You know, a lot of guys gonna give you the political correct answer. James Davis gonna give you the Atlanta answer. He's gonna tell you what's on his mind if you ask him a question. Uh, and he's not gonna hold back for nothing. Um, and I always remember the Maryland game when he came out and he guaranteed the win. And I remember us coming in the meeting room and Coach uh, Powell, going over, hey, you know, probably shouldn't have said this. And I just remember just saying, hey, man, since you just said it, let's go out here and do it then. I just let, I just wanted him to know I had his back. I said, you done put it out there now, and now it's time for us to go out there and prove it. And during that week of preparation, I can just tell the different intensity that he brought to practice, the, the focus that he brought, uh, because he wanted to go out there and, and back it up. And then, I mean, we, we shared ideas. You know, I was always his watching eye on the sideline. I think that was very important if I seen something. You know, when he came off the field, I'd be able to, to share what I see, and it was vice versa. I think the thing that Coach Powell always taught us was that he wanted us to patrol each other. You know, he didn't always want to do the sub. He'd never done the sub. Me and James, he let us handle the sub. So if one of us needed a blow, we'll come out. If he needed a blow, I'll go in. If I needed a blow, he'll come in. And then we kind of had a where, you know, hey, you get three series, then I go for three series. Or, hey, man, I'm going to go pound him up. He'll always say, hey, I'm going to go pound him up. And I'm going I'm to set him up. So then that way you can just go ahead and just run around him and, and make him miss. So we always had our little things. So it was a great brotherhood. And I was very fortunate enough to have another guy like him because I think we was able to preserve our bodies throughout our careers just because one guy didn't take a beating the entire season. But we were still highly competitive. I never let him get away with anything. He was lacking on something. I was definitely in his head letting him know. And it was vice versa. So was there ever a time when, like, goal line situation when you really wanted – you guys were battling to be the guy who was going to get to carry the rocker? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a couple of times now. I was high. I remember, as a matter of fact, his last year when he came back for his senior year, and I think he was on pace to break Raymond Priest's record or something. 
And like, we literally had a meeting where, hey, CJ, you are between 20 and 20. Like, that was, like if you're going to break alone, you better score because if you go past 20, James going to go into the game. And I remember it was a couple of games where I would literally get the ball down to like the eight or seven yard line. And I would get subbed out again. And I would be so mad. I would never show it. And it's probably the first time I ever admitting this. <laughs> but I would be so mad inside. But at the end of the day, I knew that he wanted that record. So, you know, I, I would politely just come out the game. But that's the only time I would really get mad at James, probably his senior year, when I would get the ball down there and they would sub me out the game. And he would come in and get like a one or two-yard touchdown. Yeah, you know, like you said, and if you were behind late in the game, the C.J. speed – allowed him to take it the distance. You know, you're down a minute and a half in the game. You got to go to the field and your time's running out. You got no timeouts. They were different running styles. So, C.J. might be in that particular point because he's a guy that if he got to the second level could take it the distance if you were if you were restricted on time. So, there are reasons we had him in, in particular game-type situations. C.J.'s fancy footwork and pure speed. They weren't the only storylines surrounding the Tigers when he arrived. Legendary Florida State head coach Bobby Bowden and his son Tommy, CJ's coach at Clemson, had formed quite the rivalry, appropriately known as the Bowden Bowl. I mean, it was very unique because you knew you could kind of feel, I ain't gonna say the pressure, but the anxiety, the, the intensity kind of picked up, the, the attention to details picked up. And then we always worried about, you know, was people filming our practices? Because I mean, everybody in Clemson is not Clemson fans, so. You know, you got to kind of worry about people filming stuff to take back down to Tallahassee. And then, you know, it was a different demeanor with Coach Bow. You know, he he walked around practice a little differently. He was more engaged during that week than any other week. You know, he wanted to make sure everything was was right on time. But it was fun, though. It, it was fun. And I'm so uh, honored to to be able to say that I'm part of the Bowden Bowl because, you know, all the headlines going into that game. I mean, even the pregame rituals, I mean, the handshakes and – seeing all the cameras and all the reporters out there midfield. I mean, it was, it was crazy, but it was, it was fun to be a part of. It was something that I'll cherish the rest of my life. Splitting the carries led to Clemson having one of the most dangerous backfields in all of college football. In three seasons, C.J. Spiller and James Davis combined for over 6,500 yards and 76 touchdowns. However, six games into the 2009 season, their coach, Tommy Bowden, resigned after starting the year three and three. Dabo Sweeney, the charismatic wide receiver coach who recruited CJ, was named the interim head coach. It was weird, to be honest, because I had never experienced nothing like a coach's change because my high school coach, he was my high school coach all four years. So we didn't, I didn't experience it on that level. Didn't experience it on, I mean, on part one level, I guess you can count that. Didn't experience in middle school. So when that happened, it was like a, like something just didn't feel right. And then, you know, I put a lot of blame on myself because I still remember we played uh, Wake Forest on a Thursday night and I ended up getting hurt. I uh, ended up pulling my hamstring. And I always thought with me getting hurt was probably the, one of the reasons that Coach Bowden got fired or him stepping down. But then when you look back at it, I think it's one of the best things that could have happened for our program. Not saying that you ever want a coach to step down or a coach to get fired. But to see where our program, where it was at, and where it became, I think it was probably one of the best things that could have happened. But it, it was tough for a lot of people. And I remember Coach coming. I remember Coach Winnie coming into the meeting that first night when it happened, and, and he telling guys, if you want to transfer, he will grant their release. 
Like you can go wherever you want. But if you come to this, uh, it was a Monday night, Monday night practice. If you come to this practice, you got to be willing to be all in. And that's really where the all in slogan started in 2008 on that Monday after that Thursday night game. He said, if you come to practice, you got to be willing to be all in. And everybody came to practice. And, you know, everybody was all in uh, with it. Uh, but it, like I say, it was, it was tough for a little bit. But then, you know, we had to rally behind coach, you know, because games still had to be played. It sucks to to lose a coach and you always want to finish your career with the, with the, with the head man that that, uh, that was here when you started. And so it was tough, but it was still games that had to be played. And then the seniors, we were, our record wasn't good, so we had to win a lot of games to get bowl eligible. So, you know, we wanted to rally behind the scenes to send them out on a high note, and that was his message. Let's send these seniors out the right way. So that, that was his thing, and, you know, we rallied behind him, and I guess you say the rest is history. The Tigers would find success with Dabo as interim coach and CJ leading the way. Clemson finished the season going 4-3 and three with Sweeney in charge. The Tigers earned the Gator Bowl berth and a win over in-state rival South Carolina. But CJ was at a crossroads. He had teammates leaving for the NFL, and after his junior season, he was now eligible as well. You know, my grandmother, before she deceased, she was huge on academics. Like, that was her biggest thing. Like, didn't matter how good I was, and she, I could go and score five touchdowns in high school and, you know, or middle school when she was alive, and she will always just come back. Well, I don't care how good you are. If your academic is not what it need to be, you won't play the following week. So. I remember getting with one of my learning specialists here, a lady by the name of Maria Herbst, and I, was, and I asked her how close I was to graduation. And she was like, well, if you, if you come back, you can graduate in December. So I took that, I was like, okay, I can graduate in December and come back and play another year. And really, I always, you know, and I always thought about, you know, if I'm gonna go out and tell kids about the importance of graduation, I wanna at least have done it. Like, I didn't want to be one of those guys. And here I am as like a 20-year-old thinking this stuff. Like, I never wanted to be one of those guys go and preach something that I never done. Like, I can't go tell a high school guy to graduate if I didn't graduate high school. Or I, can tell, I can't tell a guy, hey, man, if you come back, you know, graduation is important. You know, I couldn't do that if I didn't do it. And then I wanted to be an example to my younger sister to let her know the importance that, you know, academics will always, to me, outweigh the importance of sports. Uh, because I think a degree can take you so much farther alone than sports, you know, because like I say, this game going to end for us one day, whether you, you know, bar injury or just, you know, different things happen, you know, but one day this this door is going to shut closed. But, you know, as long as you have that degree, I think you can always have a door that can always open up for you. So those things kind of played in my mind. And, you know, people always say, you know, was it Coach Sweeney, you know, sweet talking to you? No, all he did was just gather the, the facts from the NFL and, you know, the, the draft experts out there and kind of see what, it, the, what my draft stock would be. And surprisingly, I mean, we put in the paperwork, it came back a first rounder. So that really wasn't a big deal. I, mean, I think it was just me just wanting to honor my grandmother of finishing off my college education. That must have been really hard and complicated decision as well because you had a family to worry about. Yeah. So that must have been incredibly difficult. Oh man, that was probably one of the, up until that time, that was probably one of the most difficult decisions I had to make. Because like you say, here I am uh, as a young kid at the realm of getting ready to do something that he wrote down 
in middle school, his all his dreams, and here he is at the front door, being able to almost be able to live one of his dreams, and that's playing in the NFL. And I'm literally at the brick of that. And to be able to have those tough conversations with my mom, or those tough conversations with my brother, and my sister, she was young, so she was kind of iffy. Where it was, yeah, you can go or you stay. She she was gonna support me in a way, but it was it was mainly just having that tough conversation with my mom. And <laughs> it's funny because the day that we did the press conference that I announced that I was coming back, I was on the phone with my mom riding up to well, what it was the McFadden building or where we did the conference at. I remember getting to the to the facility and hanging up on it. <laughs> Because she thought I was literally gonna, she thought I was gonna leave. Uh, she she wanted me to to turn pro, um, but I knew I wasn't gonna leave. I knew I was coming back. And I remember walking into Coach Sweeney. We were just joking about this a couple weeks ago at a luncheon. I remember walking to Coach Sweeney's office, literally like boohoo crying, like man, I don't know what to do. Like literally, I don't know what to do. And he was like, I just want you to do what's best for you. So he didn't even know I was coming back when we left his office. I mean, he'll tell you that if you ask him. He, didn't, he did not have no idea what I was gonna do when I got up on that stage. So I gathered myself, but I knew I was coming back. I gathered myself and, you know, as he put out, I wiped my tears away and all that stuff. And, and I went out there and the biggest thing for me when I got out there on a setup there with Tim Beret was to see all my teammates on the front row and really just see how they was really in tune to every word I was saying. Because I wasn't a real big rah-rah guy. You know, it was always about, you know, let my, let my play speak for itself, you know, how I carried myself. But, but guys knew when I speak, you know, it, it carried a lot of weight uh, because I didn't speak often. So to sit there and see, you know, out the corner of my eye, how, every, how my teammates was paying attention to every word I was saying, and then get there to that end to say, I'm going to come back for my senior year and to see the excitement. You know, I wish people had footage of that or had some pictures of that because I believe that might be the highest I ever seen Willie Corn jump up out of seat. I mean, just the excitement that those guys had for me announcing that I'll come back for my senior year. I always had the mindset, even when I announced when I went, came to Clemson, if it didn't work out, I did not want to point the finger at nobody else. That was always my mindset. If it didn't work out, I did not want to point the finger at no one else. You know, I, it didn't work out, it was just because it didn't work out. You know, I can only point the finger at myself. So, you know, I just gave him my advice. I gave him, you know, my experiences that I went through, the conversations that he'll probably have to have with, you know, his mom and his dad, you know, look for him, both his parents together, you know, I just had a single mother. So I just had to have a tough conversation with a mom, you know, and still probably take her off again, <laughs> like I did probably on, on, on signing day. So, but you just, you just got to have those conversations. So everybody's, on board and even with my mom it took her another week or two <laughs> to really be on board with what I decided to do just because she you know figured you know her baby's this been a lifelong dream of his to play in the NFL and he have an opportunity to do that and you decide to turn it down so it, it, it took longer for her to come back around to realize that I made the best decision so I just share those things with him so that he can have those tough conversations because you, you you don't know, you know, you really don't know unless, you know, you're able to talk to someone that they're kind of been through that and not have been through. That right there was the first change to this program. I mean, we're not here today without, I'm not here today without CJ Spiller, that's for sure. You know, he was the first one to really believe, to believe in me, to believe in Clemson. This was January of 09, 
and um, I'd just gotten the job full-time, and, and he could have left and gone pro, and I thought he was going pro. We went into the pre- – when, when he left my office, he was, had tears in his eyes. You know, we just said we were talking. He wiped his tears away, and he said, okay, I'm ready. And, and we, we get up, and I'll never forget, I see Tim Bure, and Tim Bure's looking at me. He's got a room full of people. We're late coming in the press day, and the whole place is packed. And he looks at me, and I went, you know, I thought he was leaving. So I go into the back of the room, and he gets up there. He says, you know, I mean, it was amazing. And he says, I'm coming back to Clemson, and here's why. And, uh, you know, he wanted to graduate. He wanted to, he wanted to be a top-ten pick, and he wanted to lead us to a championship. And he did all those things. He led us to our first division title. And even though we didn't win that ACC championship down there in Tampa in 09, ironically, it was the only time it was in that stadium in Tampa in 09. He was the MVP of the game, and we lost. It was the most unbelievable performance I've ever seen. And, and the crazy thing about it, I just remember being so disappointed. Seven years later, we won a national championship in the same stadium. That – to me, just as how God works and how, how it all, you know, comes together and timing of things, but just been an amazing uh, relationship for a long, long time. And, and uh, we've been really close for forever. And he always came back here in the off season. And I give him a lot of credit, man, because he took a leap of faith and he came here for the right reasons. You know, we've had some unbelievable conversations from his perspective as well over the years. And, and now he's 33 and he just joined my staff. As a, as a grad assistant. I was just at practice yesterday. Here's the influence of, of C.J. Spiller. So we open up practice with special teams. And there is C.J. Spiller that is back there with all the return guys on kickoff, of which Travis Etienne is one. And I'm thinking in my head, and my mind immediately flashes back to 2009. So this is the first time that it's his senior year. So this is the opening kickoff to C.J. Spiller's senior year after he's just, you know, he's announced that he's coming back and out he trots on the field to return the opening kickoff of 2009 against Middle Tennessee. And what does he do? He catches the, he catches the, the kickoff kind of over in the left corner. He's running towards the rock. He's running towards the hill. He moves to his right and he breaks. And the next thing you know, there is nothing between he and the end zone but green grass and fresh air, and he takes it to the house, and the stadium filled with 81,000 just erupts, and it's just like, what just happened? What just happened? 10, 15, seam 20, 25, 30 to the middle of the field, 35, running right, 40, 45, 50, two men to beat inside middle territory to the 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, and there's orange in the end zone. C.J. Spiller starts things off in 09 with a 95-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. No flags. I think that encapsulates what C.J. Spiller is all about. He's making impact in the program the same way that he did on the field. Imagine what it's like being in that running back room. That running back room has a lot of talent in it. Yeah, and and that's really – I take that to heart. And I just want to bring that back here to these guys and to kind of just share my experience and kind of just give them another set of eyes, you know, on the field or in the film room or, you know, if I'm breaking down film or opposing defense, you know, kind of just teaching them how to watch film, you know, knowing your opponent. It's those little things that you really don't think about when you're in college because especially if you'd have had tremendous success 
you just think you you know it all. But it's it's the it's the little details that really take your game to a new level. So I wanted to just be able to just fine tune that and just share that knowledge with these guys and and see how they practice, see if I can push them, you know, and get they they practice habits right. Because I I truly believe that what you do in practice really carry over to on Saturdays. So it's just those things that they might didn't even think about doing that I want to share with. Hey man, it, it might be getting in the cold tub, taking care of your body. The faster you can start learning how to take care of your body, the longer you can hopefully play this game of football. We all know that it comes to the end for, for everybody one day, but if you can prolong it you know, a year or two, that's a plus for you. So it's just those little details that I want to be able to share with these guys. And you know, these guys, they pick my brain about you know, kickoff return. You know, what, what did I see when I was back there? You know, how did I trust my guys? So it, it's just little things like that that I just want to be able to share because I'm all about just wanting to see young men go off and be successful in life. Uh, I think that's kind of been my thing. I just want to see these guys go off and, and have a very successful NFL career or just a career in life just in general. He wants to, wants to now get into, into coaching and can't wait for him to start that journey off and, and uh, see where that goes. But He's a unique young man. He's on the board of trustees at our, of our, for IPTE. He got a standing ovation at graduation from the entire board. I mean, everybody, the whole place. To my knowledge, that's the only time that's happened. You know, but his impact and his legacy is just unbelievable. And uh, graduated in three and a half years. He's just always been about the right things. I mean, whenever he's eligible, his name will be on that stadium. You can best believe that. I mean, just look at him like a son. And, and uh, it's, been, it's been awesome to, to see him, uh, you know, now come back and, and be able to experience some of these things that he really, truly – help build. There was a great window of opportunity to jump down in there. And instead of being maybe considered to be fourth or fifth on the list of schools you consider, now all of a sudden you've jumped in your number one. And so that makes the recruitment of the top level player that you're going after a lot easier. Again, it goes to perception. You know, how is Florida State perceived right now in terms of how Clemson's perceived? If you asked somebody that question in 2001, you'd have an entirely different answer. I think when you go back to kind of the beginning, you referenced the, re- the recruitment of C.J. Spiller, players that were signed in that class and then signed thereafter, you started to see all of these things happening on campus. And the players either within the program or the players that were considering the program would be getting feedback from the players within the program about where this thing was headed and all of the things that were happening, whether it was on campus, whether it was within the football side of things. And you could see a change that, oh man, Clemson's not kidding around. They're in the league with the big boys now and they're, they're making huge commitments and it's very public and everybody knows about it. Justin Ross is the number one ranked player coming out of the state of Alabama three years ago. So it's Alabama, and it's, it's, it's where Louisiana, Travis Etienne. I think you can make an argument that of the last 15 years, there's probably been no program in major college football that has hit on. Everybody recruits, you know, different areas in different states, but recruiting, signing, and actually having guys pan out. There's probably not a program in college football that's done it better than Clemson has when you consider a lot of the impact players that have become the face of the program in some way, shape, or form. You know, Christian Wilkins, all right, he's out of Connecticut. Talked about Sammy Watkins, Mackenzie Alexander on the defensive side. He's out of Florida. 
Deshaun Watkins we've talked about, Trevor Lawrence, the, the list goes on and on and on. In college football, we often hear that certain players leave their marks on programs long after they're gone. Many times, this can be hyperbole. But for CJ, it is absolutely true. He was selected eighth overall in the 2010 NFL Draft. Since his departure, the Tigers, they've been on a streak that would make any fan proud. They've consistently finished near the top in recruiting, won six ACC titles, made five college football playoff appearances, and won two national championships. I guess you can say I'm humbled by it. Because like I said, man, I, I, honestly, I really don't sit around and, and think about those things. The only time it really comes to the front of my mind is if someone brings it to my attention. Obviously, you, you know you have some type of effect on the program, but you know the way that you know, people be putting it is like, it almost questions, did I really have that big of an effect on the program? You know, here I am just a young kid out of Lake Butler, Florida, that just wanted to come here and just really just try to live out his dream and, and just have the best college experience that he possibly can have. Not even thinking that, you know, my decision to come here would have an effect on kids later down the road or later down the pipeline to come to Clemson. I think it's, it's probably one of those experiences that I'll probably have once I'm officially done with everything and maybe write a book, I'll probably sit back and talk about. But to me, it's, it's one of those things that really truly hasn't hit me to the full extent of, hey man, you probably did have a, a big impact on this uh, university, this program of choosing to come to Clemson. Legends and Legacies is a Raycom Sports production in conjunction with Two Waves Media. Editing and sound mixing is provided by Resonate Recordings. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a few friends or fellow fans. I'm your host, Jeff Fischel. See you next time.